This is episode 18 and the first episode of the Business Owner Series, where I do a bottleneck breakthrough session with an owner live and unedited for you to see some of the process I go through every time with a new client. This is the Bottleneck Breakthrough Podcast. I'm Josh Long, and this is all about helping you find and fix the biggest challenges in your business to unlock growth and profits that last. Hey, hey, glad to have you here. I'm uh, trying something new with the podcast. I've got a guest here. That's brand new. And uh, what we're going to do is dig into his business today. I'll introduce him in just a second. But I've been having, I've had so many friends over the years say, Josh, you should have business owners on and dig into their business and do a bottleneck breakthrough session with them and share that. And I've always been afraid that business owners wouldn't want to be that transparent and wouldn't want to air their dirty laundry, so to speak. Because it's not that I dig into such horrible stuff or reveal such bad things about them, but business ownership's a messy thing and there's a lot of emotions in it. There's a lot of private stuff. And lo and behold, uh, my buddy Perry Marshall challenged me. He said, I dare you to try it and see who shows up. And I've got the first victim here, <laughs> Kirk Slack. Uh, he's the owner of Wellspring Landscape Services in Texas. And um, we're going to dig into his business. I'm going to let him introduce himself a little bit. We came across each other through his um, membership with a company called Service Autopilot. And my good friend now, the owner of that, Jonathan Potochnik, I spoke at their conference in November of 19. And uh, they've got a great community. I really love, love the guys there and the community and the vibe. And they've got great businesses. And so we're going to dig into his landscape business today. So Kurt, happy to have you here. Thanks for being the first victim. Hey, man, I appreciate it. I'm honored. I'm like so always yeah. excited to do this kind of stuff. Yeah, that's great. So tell us a little bit about Wellspring and how long you've had it, kind of what the mix of business you guys do and catch us up. Yeah, absolutely. So so we're in Austin, Texas. Um, I started the company. Legally, I started it about 12 years ago. We, I really, because of personal issues I don't need to go into, then I really started work in the company about 10 years ago. Okay. So we've been around about 10 years, uh, give or take. Um, we don't service all of Austin. We mainly stay kind of south and southwest. Um, as you not south probably, by southwest, just south no, <laughs> that's too far north. No, <laughs> <laughs> no we uh, yeah, south and southwest. Um, we go out to uh, some of the suburbs out there, like Lake Way and West Lake, um, and things like that. So, as as you probably heard, um, uh, you know, and it seems like every publication these days, Austin's like on the number one of every number exploding. one list. Yeah, just it's exploding. Just, yeah, yeah, we got you know. Um, Tesla's. All these stupid Californians are moving down. Oh man, I tell you what. Yeah, that's yeah. Most of our clients are, it seem like are from new ones are from California, but um, yeah, but Californians yeah, so don't like mowing lawns. They don't like. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, don't, I probably shouldn't say this, but they want it to be California here. Yeah, and it's not. Right. It's right. not. So there's a huge educational process that comes with home ownership in Central Texas as opposed to California. So that's it. When it is what it is, most of them have been super super nice. I think they're super excited to be in Austin. I know. I so. live in California, so I can beat up on us. Yeah. So. Yeah. Right. I don't know why you left Hawaii, but we we save that conversation for another day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I jumped from the frying pan into the fryer uh, politically, but uh, yeah, we're back with great friends. So that was that was the big move. And who knows where we'll end up long term, yeah. but it's well, Austin's great. awesome, man. If you ever want to come here. I know. I have so many friends that move there. I've got a client that I'm working with there. They, nice. they love it. Um, 
So yeah, it's, it seems like a great place. I've got a good friend uh, in Fredericksburg. You had offered to yeah. help out at one point. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Appreciate. He ended up getting a great banking gig. So oh, wow. landed, landed in a great spot and uh, it moved up uh, quite a bit for him. So yeah, nice. it seems yeah. like everybody in that area is fantastic. It is. It's a fun place to live. Um, you know, COVID aside, I haven't seen live music in a year. Mm. Um, and that's a bummer. So some of the, some of the, super attractive parts about Austin are, are kind of gone right now, but they should be back soon, hopefully. Yeah. Um, but we do mostly, um, we have kind of, uh, you know, like a lot of companies we started off, you know, what I call it is kind of the, the prostitute stage, right? Where you do anything for anybody <laughs> to make some money. And, and uh, but now we've really kind of fine tuned it. So we do a lot more residential maintenance and then we do uh softscape enhancement work, landscape work for our, uh, uh, or lawn or maintenance clients. Um, and what and, is softscape for the average Joe out there? What, what is that? Yeah. So we don't do construction work. We're not building pools or outdoor kitchens. We'll do, we do a lot of planting. We create beds. Uh, we plant a lot mulch, uh, prune. Do you guys uh, those, do any pavers or anything like that? Does that qualify? No, or is that, no yeah. I have a we, we for, uh, and we're debating whether or not we're how, how much of landscape we're really going to stay in at this point. But yeah. Like I have a, it's such uh, a different business for you guys yeah, because it's yeah. one off, it's quoted, it's time yeah. and materials. It's a, it's a lot of time. It's a lot emotion. of time. And then if you don't have that sales driver that's leading it yeah. um, and project manager that can run it, yeah. it pulls so much yeah. of your time as the expert, right? And right. and then and it pulls you away from the opportunity cost of growing your recurring business, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny, you can't see, but on the other side of my screen is a huge whiteboard and it and it lists everything you just said, like, why should we do this? Why should we not do this? So that's um, good. You have a you have a reminder because like yeah. you said, so many small business owners, have, I mean, starting out as a, a prostitute type business, that's a funny one. I'm actually stealing. <laughs> so I've never heard that one before. But and on an all service businesses suffer from that. Um, even product based businesses or uh, but anyway, the the owner has to bootstrap from the ground up. So they right. just get used to doing everything. And, but as the business grows and as you guys have crossed that million dollar mark, it requires a different version of you to lead oh, yeah. it. And now it's that, how do you get into that thousand dollar an hour work for you to work on as opposed to hundred dollar an hour work? Right. If you're out in the field quoting stuff or closing stuff or project managing or putting out yeah. fires and or putting out fires starts getting down in the $10 an hour work. Right. Um, so yeah, that's great. It's the opportunity cost. And I think so many business owners, the small business owners don't realize that transition as it happens. And so they spend time just frittering away their day and nothing material gets done. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. tell us where you're at size wise and um, we can dig into some of your bottlenecks. Yeah. So, um, uh, income wise, we're at about 1.6 million. Um, historically we, we kind of got stuck at the million dollar mark mm -hmm. for a couple of years and we kind of bounced between a million and a million two. Now I, I know your mom may say you're unique, but I guarantee <laughs> that's so normal. Everybody I deal with gets stuck around there and handsome um, and smart and all that. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You are handsome <laughs> and smart, but you're not unique yeah. in, in that because it's just normal. That million yeah. dollar threshold is really what separates um, the men from the boys yeah. and um, the, the big, bigger businesses from the small people that own a job. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So now, so now we've, 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 we kind of jumped to the one and a half million mark. Uh, last year, we were really hoping to grow closer to 2 million. 
Um, and we were off really, really strong last year. And unfortunately with COVID, you know, and then it became, you know, there's so much uncertainty in the spring yep. and then, uh, and then we, what's your guys seasonality. Do you have a winter season? Yeah, we do. Like, it's funny. I'm sitting here right now and, and we have a cold front coming in. So everybody's freaking out. It's supposed to get down in the teens, which almost never does here. Right. Um, so, but we, so we go, we mow full-time through November mm-hmm. and then we go to a reduced schedule, December, January, February, and then we're back to full-time March 1st. Oh uh, man. What, and did you guys have a late season start last year? No, we started okay. real early last year. We were off just gangbusters last year until about um, middle of March. Middle of March. Yeah, yeah. Right. I and mean, that it, it, it's so easy to remember for me because that was a friday the 13th in march it just it was the worst horror story of the year is when when all this locked down and we were in hawaii and i I remember my cousin she and her family were stuck in vietnam they were missionaries in india and they needed to go out for a a while to clear their visa time and stuff and they traveled i think on march 6th and we're talking on march 11th and they're like we can't get back into india and i'm like if you can get to hawaii you got a place to stay and just waited a day or two and then everything shut down that Friday, the 13th. So yeah, that un- instability, I tell everybody last year that it's, it, it started out with so much uncertainty mm-hmm. that, and it's continued in a lot of places like California and New York and Illinois, where the governors are crazy, but it's like living in a third world country when the sand is shifting under your feet and you have no certainty of what to do, where to move, what to pivot. And so, you, yeah, you definitely talk us through that. What was that like for you? What what was the net result for growth yeah. and transition? Yeah, so it's, um, as we were talking about earlier, you know, I'm in the academy, the Service Autopilot Academy. And so we we have a group of us that's about 100 of us, and we get together and we speak uh, frequently. As a matter of fact, I'm, next week we're all meeting in Utah at Parks. Uh, awesome. Parks. Yeah, anyway, so um, we all talked, and we, we had kind of emergency meetings, right, and, and brought in a consultant in this, and Potoshnik talked, and um, we all thought at the time that uh, mowing would probably just keep keep going along, and then the landscape work would just kind of dry out. I thought, well, the markets are going to crash. Everybody's going to hold on to their cash. Nobody's going to spend anything. They're going to. That's what all of us thought. Like there's, there's no reason. I mean, when you grind the economy to a screeching halt, um, you assume people are going to hold on to their money. (laughs) And then, you know, what did they do? They stayed home and started spending money left and right. So the landscape business, which, which we weren't at the, of course we couldn't have predicted this, but we weren't um, prepared to roll out for the reasons you just mentioned, right? It takes certain expertise to bid it, to, 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 uh, sell it, to design it, to, to manage the job. We just didn't have the people in place to, to grow that landscape um, business um, like we, we could have if we had known this was coming. Um, but we did well. It, it was Our landscape revenue was up and our uh, maintenance revenue was up until about probably June or about the time school let out. And then, and then people realized, hey, my, my teenager's not going back to school. Uh, we're not going on vacation. Everybody's sitting around the house. Well, they started buying up lawnmowers like there's no tomorrow. So then oh, people started mowing their own lawns. Interesting. Um, yeah. And so our suppliers where we get our mowers and our, our mowing equipment, all, they were sold out constantly. They constantly had to resupply. And so anyways, and so about, about <laughs> August and our mowing revenue started to dip, our landscape revenue started to dip. So by mid-year, we were doing really, really well revenue-wise. 
by the fall, we were kind of just going, well, we, we hope we can hang on to what we got. And so we ended up a little up for the year, but certainly not what we had projected and not how the year started, but yeah. all in ill, I mean, all in all our net, net profits were up, our gross revenues were up and uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take that as a win for. Yeah. For yeah. What's your, what's your ultimate goal for the company? Uh, and I'll lead you down a path. There's okay. only two real answers in my opinion um, to turn it into a cash cow, get it mm-hmm. to some nominal revenue that, you can build some more management and layers and give you more time off or build it to be an acquisition target that can be acquired for um, right. some exit of, of multiple. And I know your industry doesn't have high multiples right. um, for exits, but if you get it to a high enough revenue, like 10 million plus, then you're walking away with a substantial amount of cash, yeah. even though the multiple isn't really high. Right. Right. Yeah. So um, yeah, so definitely, um, I want to build it, hold it long-term and, um, and then get to where someone else is managing it. And then yeah. I get to go do either un- other investments, uh, more volunteer work, travel, things like that. Um, and then the company just goes on perpetually. If my son yeah. wants to take it over, then he can do that. If not, we'll worry about it when I'm dead or whatever. Yeah. And that's awesome. But also want talking about multiples. What I'm also looking at too is is you know you get into something like fertilization, weed control, pest control, and some other things. Um, higher profit margins, um, more subscription based. Yeah, and then and more of a you know higher multiples for the value. So yep. that's a big that's a big uh, direction I'm looking at right now, and that's a big part of my, what what my bottleneck, which I'm sure we'll get to. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about that. (laughs) So good. So my goal then is to set your sights at around two and a half million. Um, that as the first watermark for being a real cash cow. Um, I I know, you know, your numbers and you add some fertilization weed control and you get to that two and a half million mark and you've got some good margin, you've got some good buffer. Um, and uh, yeah, so that I, I would say that's the goal that we talk around the rest of this conversation about of how to get you there. Um, and so talking about fertilization weed control, tell me about that. How big's your client base? What's your licensing in the state? I don't know anything about that in yeah. Texas. <clears throat> yeah. So right now we actually sub it all out to a, to a highly respected company here. It's worked out really well for us. And the, the, the main reason why we've never brought it in house is because I'm too busy doing everything else than, you know, to go out getting the license is not difficult. Um, it's just effort. It's just, yeah. Effort. Yeah. It's, it's, you got to take the test. You got to jump through some hurdles, which is good, you know, and then, and then hire someone who, who has experience to come in and, and start, you know, start being your first applicator or whatever your first mm-hmm. tech and, and then grow from there. So right now we've been comfortable. We have pretty good profit margins on subbing it out. Um, the, the, the bottleneck there or the, or the, 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 the kind of challenge there is it's hard to grow it when it's not yours. Right. It's, yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, because you know. you're just, you're, you're just mailing out a dollar bill with every client you hand over to them. I mean, that's, that's essentially it. I mean, you're keeping good margins, but grow it. And then right. gosh, now we can't, how do we transition all of this over? And do you, do you been burning that bridge when you do that? Yeah. Right. I mean, you've got that yeah. relational dynamic because it seems like they're a good partner and you don't want to, Right. Um, how big are they? Are they bigger than you? Or are they? Oh, they're huge. Yeah, they. This guy, they've they've grown just exponentially. I think they're in multiple cities now. I'm sure yeah. they're 
they're somewhere between, I would guess, six and 10 million. Sure. They've done really, really well. Yeah. Yeah. The only reason I ask is a lot of times they can be smaller and just acquire them could be the Mm -hmm. the play um, as a potential. But yeah, so you've got a lot of dynamics here to factor in because, and this is where, like when you're at that million dollar mark, it's a common thing that, that the owner doesn't close much more business because they know that just means they're going to have more headache to manage on the fulfillment side because they don't have the fulfillment dialed in. And, and so here I'm guessing you're probably throttling yourself on growing the fertilization weed control. Cause you're like, well, if we get it much bigger, then how do we ever disconnect from subbing it out? You know, not so much on the, the fertilization weed control because it, there's almost no effort on our part to manage it. Um, yep you know, we invoice and things like that, but, um, so we can actually grow that. And we have other subs too, that our goal is to double the revenue this year for our subs. Um, cause it's just easy money. It's just low hanging fruit. The, um, the, the, the biggest, but we talk about kind of throttling back. That's definitely happened. Um, and just, and I'll be brutally honest with you. I mean, I don't, people judge me all they want, but I think there's, there's a fear, that we're going to oversell and not be able to get the work done because the labor market is so freaking tight. tight. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, and no, and there's no judgment. You, nobody's no. going to judge you for anything. <laughs> somebody um, will. I don't no, care. this is all, <laughs> yeah. Somebody who's sitting at home, uh, armchair quarterback and how to run a business. Um, no, that, there's no judgment on any of this because it's, it's reality. And it's, yeah. this is getting into the psychology of what's really underlying there. Right? right. So you brought up something that's very real of, okay, if we go close a lot, and we get more business, can these partners staff up to meet it? Right. And for those that aren't in the um, labor industry for, for your space, I thought, I, I would have bet 10 grand that the labor pool was going to be ripe for the picking after mm-hmm. COVID hit last year, because all these companies were going out, everybody's laying off. I had no way to predict that the government was going to pay people more to sit on their ass and do nothing. Man, and I, tell you. I mean, now look, I'm not, I can't, I, I won't put on my tinfoil hats because <laughs> I've got a lot of them. They're all stacked up right here. And I'm sure you see you, you, you like a lot of my posts on Facebook. Oh, sure. You yeah. See how tight that tinfoil gets wrapped around my head sometimes, but man, it's hard to not look at just the, any kind of state, supported agenda for those low, low skill, low wage employees um, to just sit on their ass and do nothing and get used to it. I mean, we see it in the, we see it at the national parks. Don't feed the bears because then they get used to us giving them handouts. That's a great example. They're just doing it to, to the labor pool right now. And so I, I know guys, um, Corey and uh, Reno and and Josh um, up in, uh, Illinois were, were clients all last year and we were doing everything we could to recruit. Um, and it's, it, it becomes the solution. And I saw this before COVID hit for your guys industry. You guys do such a good job. You're in an industry where there's not a lot of innovation when it comes to marketing and getting clients. It's not a cutthroat industry like um, maybe the cell phone industry of manufacturers that Samsung and Ap- Apple have to just spend billions of dollars advertising mm-hmm. to get the next customers or Verizon and AT&T over cell phone service or um, TVs or whatever, where there's just this always this push for innovation. You guys are actually in very basic industries. So you do some decent marketing and you get good reviews and mm-hmm. you have no problem getting customers. 
it's a trust thing, right? And you've got a track record. And I mean, you've got the service autopilot, biggest badass banner in the background there. I mean, it shows how, how thorough you are just in your business and keeping your word and all that stuff. So I've always felt that the solution is put all the marketing effort into recruiting because selling and um, Josh Robertson, he did this a year and a half ago. He had a Christmas party and a little over a year ago. And he just had a video camera set up for people to just talk about their testimony of working with him. Mm -hmm. And I think he gave like some $10 Starbucks card or something. And he ended up having to pull cash out of his wallet because everybody got up and shot a video because they love working for him. That's awesome. I'm like, man, that's a big asset. Like there's, there's a lot of shitty businesses out there that people hate working at and they're good employees, but they don't know what they don't know. And they don't know how to find another job. And they think they're just jumping from one um, frying pan into the next fryer and all this stuff. So I, I really think, that is the big leveraged opportunity for guys like you is to spend some time and we can outline what that looks like. I've given Jonathan the whole outline before um, of, of what I think it would, would take to, to do it. But it, I think that that's a really good point of the, that the labor market's tight. And so you're going to have to swipe people from other companies. Mm-hmm. And um, thankfully there's a lot of bad companies out there still employing people that people don't want to work at. So, um, but yeah, that was a big surprise for me last year was, I, I did not expect our, our federal government to disincentivize yeah. people from working. Yeah. And, and, uh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, man. I, I, I try not to let myself ask, why are they doing this? Cause it common sense tells you <laughs> it goes nowhere. Good. Yeah. You don't, you don't, you don't pay someone more than uh, and my niece was a great example. She got laid off and, and she was like, I make more money I've ever made in my entire life. Not working. I mean, significantly more. And it's like, you would think that our leaders would say, Hey, we should put a, a cap on this or something because we're just, you know, uh, we're, we're heavily incentivizing people not to work. So whatever, I try not to think about it past that, but that know, was huge. Cause I mean, you, you, everything, you couldn't find anybody to, to come work for us. No. And, and, and everything that when you do open your eyes and do ask those questions, it all starts rhyming with, uh, or just sounds like stuff Karl Marx talks about. And, yeah. um, it just there's no, there's no good path from my perspective there's, down there's that not road. there's really not so so yeah and i i mean they keep kicking the can down the road and extending benefits and more printing more money so it makes it harder for guys like you to find the labor pool because mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll be transparent for you that for people that don't deal with that level of of employee i mean these are above uh, minimum wage workers mm-hmm but not far. And there's a lot of turnover. What do you find for you in the last couple of years? How, what's your typical turnover? How many guys are you losing or changing a year? Oh my gosh. I, I kind of view it in two buckets, right? We have the bucket of the people who are here. They're solid. They've been here a long time. They're going to be here a long time. But even in that bucket, we probably still have, you know, maybe 10% turnover, mm-hmm. but, but, but if you're talking about new hires, we may run through a hundred people, you yeah. know, uh, you know, we had a, we, we had a girl we hired the other day and she lasted three days, no call, yep. no show, never heard from her since. Yep. And so, you know, um, and it's just the nature of that place yeah. in the marketplace. And yeah. and it's not, it's not a judgment. It's not just, it is what it, it is. It is what it is. Yeah. 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 And yeah. so I think that's where it seems it seems like overkill to go through what I'm going to outline for you, but 
I think it's such an asset. And as the labor pool gets tighter and tighter or whatever government programs come out to pay people not to work. Um, I mean, universal basic income has been on the docket for a decade now. Um, and, and they just keep wanting to shove that down our throats. And so I think this framework that I'm going to outline is you don't have to do it all at once, but if you chip away at it, and I think the first part is get some testimonials of your staff, yeah. get some videos of just what, what's it been like working here? Um, what kind of boss do you think Kirk is? And, yeah. and, um, then you can make it fun or lighthearted, whatever your culture is. Like I, I always like saying, um, have somebody interview them and not have you there. So when they say, what's it like working with Kirk and say, you can tell the truth, you won't get fired or something like that. <laughs> I mean, like, just keep it lighthearted that somebody watching that's like, wow, they, they really do respect him. They really do like him. He's, he's a balanced guy. And I mean, Josh and Corey and everybody in Academy, everybody in service autopilot world, they're just great people. And that bleeds down from Jonathan as the, the head, I say the right. old Chinese proverb that the fish stinks from the head down. And <laughs> Jonathan builds great companies and attracts great people and everybody else that follows suit is great. So it's, it's a great culture. And yeah. I, I, I don't have to step inside your, your shop to know exactly what it's like. So. Yeah. 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 Oh, there's so much I want to do too. We're, we've worked so hard on company culture and, and it, it's tangible results. I mean, it really was nice until COVID hit and then, well, and then a lot of things kind of fell through the cracks, but we're picking it back up and, um, you know, it's huge because we're a small company. It's, we, we can't do matched 401k and the best insurance on the planet. And, and no. you know, we just, we can only do what we try to do is provide a really, really nice place to work. You know, well, and one thing Josh did last year, he loves smoking meats. Like the guy's yeah. just a smoking fiend and I, I enjoy it. So we, we swap recipes and swap yeah. challenges and whatever, but he just started doing, uh, I think he did it two or three times a Friday afternoon smoke out. Mm -hmm and got them off early and got them back and had, had a couple hundred dollars worth of brisket or ribs or something. Yep. And that just goes so far for, for those staff. They love it. I mean, they yeah. really love it and it, they can't always do it on a Friday afternoon because of timing and yeah. weather and whatever. But I said, let's pick the best weather weeks that you can think of in the year. And then um, when you can't do that on alternate times, do a breakfast and yeah, he makes these great smoked, I think it's smoked bacon breakfast burritos. Oh, and nice. um, he just does it, gets there early, does it in the morning and they get started and send off their day with something that, and again, if you look at it from a HR perspective or big corporate thing, like it's not going to, you're not going to get any write-ups in the Harvard Business Review right. over this stuff. But the meaning of <clears throat> the, how meaningful it is for those employees to have something like that yeah. make their day. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. No, I agree. Sometimes it's the little things and we, we've, um, we've done some testimonial stuff in the past. We need to do more. And as a matter of fact, it's, it's, it's supposed to be really cold and rainy tomorrow. So we're, we're doing a half day training with the the whole group. We're bringing in food in the whole nine yards. And one of the things we're, we're doing a survey, um, uh, a, uh, employee survey forum. Uh, so we get some feedback from them, Yeah, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, a guy came the other day and he said, or "said you know, can we put a coffee maker in our shop? And we have some limitations in our shop. Like we don't really have access to water there. It's kind of a weird setup. But um, but I'm like, yeah, we, we absolutely we can figure that out. I mean, it's a coffee maker. I don't care. You know, of course <laughs> yeah. we can do that. Right. You know, of course. so 
No, I think uh, that's great. And just being willing to hear them out is, is yeah. so great. I think just right. people, people love it, the, the connection you make just from giving them a chance to voice their needs. Yeah. Um, I had a gal when I was at service, service autopilots conference, she came up to me and we were talking through some of this retention and she does um, housekeeping, house cleaning type stuff. And mm -hmm. she's got a lot of Hispanic female workers. And she said, I sat down with them and because she had heard me a year earlier on one of the Academy podcast or um, webinars. And I had said something along these lines of just ask them what they want. And she took it a little too far of tell me your vision. What's your biggest goals and dreams? And like, these women are like, what's the trick? Is there a trick question here? Like nobody <laughs> asks me that. Like it was too right. far out. It was yeah. just too far down the road for them. And they're like, um, I just need to get my kid some medicine because he's sick right now. Like, right. can you help me with that? Like, I mean, yeah. And she's like, she just, and this is where us as owners who live a completely different life, we're in a different strata of society. We can't project what we want on them. We got to figure out what right. they want. Yeah. Um, and, and give them. And I, I think that's where an old um, consultant and professor I knew, Tony Alessandra, he had the platinum rule which the golden rule says do unto others is um, you would have them do unto you. Mm -hmm. And he took it another level and he says, do unto others as they would want you to do unto them. Right. So like give them what they want and that's it. So I love that you're, you're doing that tomorrow. So starting with the, the testimonial videos and they could be choppy. They don't, they do them on your phone. Like they do not need to be yeah. high production quality. Like this is, we're not winning any Emmy awards um, with this stuff. So, it, and it can, and if they stutter and say, um, that's fine. Like if they laugh at the beginning, cause they feel awkward, that's fine. Like it, it's just getting started. And so having a, a jobs page on your website where somebody mm -hmm. can go and they can see these videos and, and hear directly from employees say, yeah, I've been working for Kirk for five years. I mean, that's a huge milestone for people in that industry, in that space is, if you've got a guy in one of your crews and and he's been there for five years or something that these guys, so many of them bounce around from job to job because it's just such a horrible environment for them or so frustrating or whatever. Yeah. So that that's a big one. Um, and then I, I think building a bench. So Corey um, and I have talked about this, that building a bench of potential hires that you may not hire today, but you might mm -hmm. hire them in, six weeks, you might hire them in six months, you might hire them in a year. Yeah. And so making a text message or email opt-in um, that, that has a form that says, Hey, if you're interested in just staying in touch with us, um, it may not be the right time for you. It may not be the right time for us, but sign up here, text this number to this or whatever, um, or set, a, set up your email if, if they'll use email. And, and then that way you've just got a little list building of this bench and then you just send out a blast anytime you see it coming that you're going to need people. And then that way you're not reacting to, oh, crap, so-and-so, no call, no showed for the third day in a row. They're gone. I need somebody yeah. to fill in. It, 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 it removes that. So, it, I mean, that'll always happen still. But the way it removes it is once you have that bench, then you can start going through. And I say grade everybody on an A through F scale or a 1 through 10 scale. And just start proactively replacing the bottom ones. And Corey did that. Corey, now 
Jonathan and I have talked a lot about this with Corey. He's just too nice of a guy, too empathetic, gives too many chances. Oh, I mean, man. he's got the biggest heart. Yeah. And But he gets abused by it. Yeah. And so we did this process with his staff and he graded them and started firing the D's and F's. Um, and it, it wasn't that they fired him. It was the next time they had an infraction, he let him go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it wasn't like we were being proactive jerks about it. It was just people down at that level are going to have problems and they're not going to, they're just going to create issues for themselves. And yeah, when you have the confidence of knowing, okay, I've got somebody that I can replace them or I can replace them early, get them start trained knowing, Hey, by the end of the month, they're going to no call, no show, and it'll be done. Yep. Um, and then I can just plug this person right into their crew and, and be off and running. So that, that three-step process for me, I think, is how you can really shore up that concern of the labor market um, and, and start building more confidence that, that you'll be able to fulfill on it and, and yeah. not, not throttle yourself. Yeah, I, I've heard that building the bench thing before. I'll be honest, it, 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 we just never done a good job at it. No, you know? it, it's one of those things that just feels so foreign. And it honestly, like it's, it's a mind shift for you guys that you're in such a great industry that when you do a good job, you literally have to do so little marketing um, to, to get clients compared to other industries I deal with. Um, so it's like shooting fish in a barrel when you can go do a, what is it? Nine door flyer around yeah, every neighbor yeah. and um, outreach and, um, and then just your testimonials and reviews and you get some Yelp profile and a Google my business and it keeps growing. Um, you, you just can't help but attract calls. So the effort then goes into the staffing and right. recruiting staffing is the same as marketing for clients in other industries. It's just, yep. you got to build that step, those steps out. Yeah. We've been talking about that internally that we, um, we, we should be spending as much time and effort marketing for employees as we would clients. Yeah. yeah. Um, and in because, your industry, I'd say double, like you wouldn't yeah. hurt yourself spending double the effort. Yeah. It just seems so foreign. Cause you're just like, <clears throat> but they're employees. They just show up and work. Like they should, <laughs> it's just that shift of mindset that yeah. the government's fighting against you, whether it's intentional or not, doesn't matter. But right. you, now, you now have that beast that you're fighting against. Oh yeah is, is that, that lazy, um, dependent state that the government's putting people in. And so you got to overcome that inertia and, and you're not going to pull people off a couch. You cannot advertise enough no. and pitch them enough to get them off the couch. So you have to snag them from other companies. Yeah. 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 And then I think the next step is once you get the testimonials, once you have the landing page, the jobs page and you mm -hmm. have the bench, um, is uh, start doing some small Facebook ads um, just in your geo area. I mean, yep. you know the age, you know the um, <clears throat> economic level, you know how far the, I mean, uh, I think it was Corey. I think his location's right on the edge of a neighborhood. Literally, these guys have to drive out of their neighborhood to leave their community and they drive right by his shop. And so three or four of the guys live in that neighborhood that work for him because it's a two minute commute. Right. So like it, it, I bet there's a geo targeting, whether it's zip codes or specifically or a, a five mile radius or something around your yeah. shop or certain neighborhood. Um, you just go run some ads saying, Hey, looking for a better job. 
hear how great it is to work at Wellspring and and stuff and yeah, just a couple bucks a day and you'll get some get some yeah. attention. So we're doing that. We're running um, hiring ads on on Facebook. Awesome. Uh, we have a video. We do some testimonials on that video. And then one thing I'm we're, we're about to do, which I've never done before, and that is uh, direct mail to certain areas. So like I can figure out where our guys live yep. and then we can do EDDM to those areas. Yep. Um, the postcard saying, you know, now hiring and, uh, and we're, why not? Right. Well, we got, yeah. That's we're great. Not, we're not going to make, we're not exactly going to do like what you different. do to get clients. So just yeah. do it to get employees. That's great. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So we're rolling that out now. Um, and uh, trying to just get way outside the box. That's you know? it. You're exactly right. You're going right down the right path. And um, I think, the more testimonials, especially of the roles you're hiring of those guys in the crews, um, the more power you'll have to attract people. Cause it's just, they're like, man, somebody that thinks like me, looks like me. They like working for this guy. Yeah. And that's just the power of social proof. It just works so well Yeah, to um, take away the concerns. And, and we have a video of you saying why you do this business and why you like working with these guys. I mean, yeah. Um, that they get to know you and, and trust you. And I, I think that kind of, that kind of stuff goes a long way. Yeah. 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 Good stuff. Yeah, I'm taking notes by the way. So good. <laughs> well, and we're recording so you can go back and listen to it. I'll <laughs> no, that's true. That's true. To you too. <laughs> yeah. So what else? Um, I mean, I think that's really the biggest bottleneck for you is the staffing and the throttling of, of expansion. Right. Um, what else? Any other big fires or headaches you got? You know, I think one of our um, the the big things that I've been thinking about lately, and kind of and kind of narrowed it down to, and that is, you know, we we have the same number of staff in our office that we had when we were, you know, fifty um, percent less revenue. And so, one of the things that's really kind of become evident to me lately, and that is just um, uh, investing in office staff, right? So. Yeah. So for instance, our conversion rate's low, we need to get mm. our conversion rate up. Well, if we just don't have the manpower to get to those leads fast enough, then we need that manpower. So right now what we're really doing, and what I'm really doing is investing in more people in the office um, to, in two ways. One is uh, bringing in an admin person. We're, we're all completely maxed out in the office. I mean, yeah. 100% maxed out. Um, so we'd be stupid to think that we're going to grow another $500,000 without doing something different. Right. And so that's, that's been a big thing that I've just really kind of been pushing downward on cost and kind of not had this mentality of, uh, wait, we, we shouldn't, I shouldn't keep my cost down. I should invest more in these people so we can grow exactly in, in these positions. So we're, we're getting some admin help in the office. Um, um, we've never, I've never hired an operations manager before. So we're posting oh, okay. right now for an that's operations gonna, That's going to free up so much headspace. Oh my gosh. It, Cause literally I'm not joking in the fall, uh, you know, and again, I, I feel like I just got to qualify everything as 2020 is a little different. However, it doesn't matter. It's all I good. Know, but he, um, it, I'm not joking. 90% of what I was doing, someone else could easily do like the, yeah. this morning, I almost went and replaced a broken valve cover on an irrigation system that, that, <laughs> that got cracked. And I'm like, this is, it was close to the office. I'm here. Yeah. I can overdo it. And I'm like, that is, that is not. You should start a pool with your buddies in Academy yeah. and say, Hey, anytime any of us goes and does this, we got to give each other 50 bucks or something. Yeah. Yeah. Cause exactly. that's all you're doing. You're just stapling 50 bucks. There are a hundred bucks to that. Right. And that right. cover when you do it. 
Yeah. So, you know, it's stuff like that. And it's, and so I need this literally 90% of what I was doing, someone else should be doing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, um, and so we're trying to get an operation. Yeah. That operations here. manager is going to be huge. Um, one yeah. thing you saying you're not, your close rates down. I, I think hiring somebody that is a sales fo- more focused, you're not right. going to hire a salesperson. You don't want a salesperson. They're not going to fit in your culture. They're not going to have enough business to focus on. But you want somebody who has almost like a account management focus yep. Yep. Um, that they are the lead for all the sales when the busy season yep. hits in March and April. Yep. And they'll have plenty to do elsewhere. But this is where a lot of guys say, oh, I'm going to hire a full-time salesperson. It's like, doesn't work. They can't close as well as you. They need more pay. They need more leads. They get fidgety if they don't have leads to deal with. And right. you, you guys just need that band, that, that spike window of, of when the calls are ringing off the hook and your mm-hmm. say your mm-hmm. support staff aren't real motivated to follow up with them. Um, if you have that business account manager type role, they'll be yeah. more excited to, to follow up with them. Yeah. So we have one, we call them a client manager. We have one client manager, but historically, um, they, they just get hammered. Like they, they yeah. just, they just not enough hours in the day. So that's the other thing is looking, should we hire another client manager? Yep. We're, you know, how would that, what would this look like? What would it cost? And then we're, well, and then the beauty is that client manager can do upsell stuff through the summer and the fall yep. cleanups, yep. um, whether it's getting them or getting them lined up for next year's, um, fertilization, weed control kickoff. Yeah. Um, that all of that, so that that client manager role, they're able to proactively when they've got downtime, just start reaching out to customers and saying, yeah. "Hey, you know what? This customer has been with us five years, and they've up they've added on all these other features, but they they're not on fertilization or weed control. Let's right. do a campaign out to them. We'll send them an email, follow up with a call, um, stuff like that." Yeah, and I think for me, um, uh, see if I can remember my train of thought that I just had the. Um, um, for me, it was, it was, um, and I'm sure other many owners have, have had this too, is, 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 is say investing in that other client manager. Right. So now we have this overhead. Um, and is it going to work out? You know, like, and I keep kind of, that's always the fear that's tentatively work in that yeah. direction. And what I'm trying to do is what I've been working on is kind of turning the corner on, Hey, look, we can always pull this back if we need, of course, to, you know, course. and I kind of forget that I kind of think, Oh, we're going to commit to this, Oh, and then it's not going to be profitable. Well, it's because you're a loyal person. You don't want to yeah. jerk somebody's life around. You understand right. that. But I, I, I've never seen this kind of growth expansion backfire in a right. company like yours. So you may replace them because they don't perform, but you're going right. to keep that role over time. Right. And so, yeah, it's the, these are the leverage points of investing in these people is how you're going to get to two and a half million and have more free time than you know what to do with and more cash than you've probably ever had. Um, and it just feels so counterintuitive. Yeah. And I'll tell you, cause I, I just, there's so much I want to do. I have all these dreams and goals and, and things I want to implement. And then I go replace a valve cover on an area. You know, it's like, well, oh, 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 what well, a, and so this multi-million reality- dollar thing I was going to go pursue <laughs> <laughs> all of a sudden, I don't know, you know, I mean, you're laughing because you get it, you know, I know, I totally get it. Well, and the, the reality is that all companies, all employees of all companies are always at capacity to maintain what they currently have. Yeah. <clears throat> and you have to add energy somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually that's through some other person, some other employee, contractor, consultant, 
whatever. Like, and that's 90% of what I do with clients is just stay focused on we're adding this because this mm-hmm. is the most important thing to get to the next level. Right. Let's get back to this. Hey, hey, we're getting yeah. back to this. Okay, yeah. you've got some fires. Let's put them out, deal with them. Let's get those handed off so you're not dealing with them anymore. And let's get back to this because right. that's how growth happens. And so, yeah, you, you you going and covering, replacing a cover is just maintaining what you've got. And you right. can do that all day long. And a lot of people do that all day long. And they yeah, make yeah. a good job and they're happy and fulfilled with it. And that's fine. But you're never going to be fulfilled um, with that and because uh, you're too much of a visionary. Right, right. Right. And so I need to free up, obviously free up my time so I can go pursue those things. And it's that and then, shift. It's that shift from no. what is this hourly rate worth? No. Um, if I do this task now, because the proactive bigger stuff that I'm going to get to is always worth at least a thousand bucks an hour, no. if not more. And then the, the other thing that kind of ties into that, which just really became so obvious to me in the past year, and that is training. Mm-hmm. Right. So we, we hire these people or we hire, or I hire someone and then I train them 30%, 50%, 80%. And I'm not getting to that hundred percent because, you know, I get comfortable with the way they're doing it. And then I'm off doing something else. Oh, and the follow through is so yeah. hard for us. And so the, the, having that time to really, truly commit to the training. So well, I think you, that operations manager should be able to take yeah. that up because that operations manager needs to be your little Napoleon. That's just yeah. finishing everything and keeping yeah the trains on time and everything going and yeah. that follow through is key. Cause guys like yeah. us, my wife always teases me. Cause like I, I go fix the biggest issue, whatever the fire of the day is. And then I walk away. She's like, are you done? I'm all, I fixed it. She's all, but it's not cleaned up. I'm like, Oh, I totally <laughs> forgot. Like I just, I solved the problem. The beast is killed. Yeah. Oh, I gotta, I gotta clean the carcass out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, let me ask you a question. So what, what is, what's magic about the 2.5 million? Oh yeah. Good point. So two to two and a half million is all of the key staff are close enough for you to keep a close relationship with. Um, but the fires, the, the moles that you're whacking every day, aren't that big. Um, when you get past it into three to 5 million, the whack moles get significantly bigger And Mm -hmm. if you don't have key managers that can deal with them themselves and make decisions that you trust because they're capable, like they're another level up, Mm -hmm. um, then you get stuck at 5 million. And so I've never met a business owner at 5 million who's happy. They don't exist. Oh, wow. Um, Because the problems are just that much bigger. You can't knock them out and say, oh, here's the answer. Go deal with it. Oh, here's the answer. Go deal with it. It, it. They literally just sit there and then they start stacking up and you're like, Oh my gosh, what's I, I I'm gonna go crazy. And so you bounce back down to three million, two and a half million, if it let some people go. But a lot of times if you don't develop those managers, then you get up to the six or seven million dollar mark, you abdicate all this responsibility to these people that are supposed to be managers and they can't make those decisions. They make bad decisions. Right. You're burned out because you've just been light had this line of moles you've been knocking out of problems that come every day. And so then they make bad decisions and then you go back down and it just becomes this big yo-yo between four and 6 million that you never break through. And the irony is if you had effective managers, you'd break through and hit 10 million and it just goes and happens. Right. Uh, Because you no longer are the truly the bottleneck of having to solve all the biggest issues in the company. Yeah. Yeah. 
And at two and a half million, the team's small enough. The margins are great. I mean, you could probably pull out half a million a year. Um, no problem. Be in the office 10 hours a week if you wanted and you've got a good business. So I've got a client in another industry. Um, she's got a manufacturing company. They make a clear coat for metal products. So window frames, copper donum of the Arizona Capitol building, all sorts of uses. And she was at just under a million when we started together back in late 2014. She finished 2014 at like 900 grand or something. And last year uh, she did two and a half million. And in 18, we 17, 18, we changed essentially all of her key staff and yeah. she developed an operations manager. And so in 19, she and her husband took 12 weeks of international vacation and nothing, no fires, no problems. And so she now lives the sweet life of has great staff, has yeah. no problems. Everything's running um, like a clock and uh, she's got good margins. Nice. Nice. Well, I look forward to, I mean, I'd love to get to, you know, <clears throat> I don't know if we can get to 2 million this year. We're certainly going to try. Yeah, whatever. Um, so, you know, and a good, go from a there, good example know. was uh, Josh Robertson last year. He was right around you, one and a half. His goal was to add 20%. He's a steady guy. 20% is a good manageable growth. When COVID hit, we were really uncertain. And um, we did some analysis and we figured he could drop down to 900 and still be profitable if he needed, yeah. just cutting back. And one thing that changed, he was trying to get rid of a lot of his architecture project or his uh, installation projects. Yeah. Um, and, but he took them because he's went back to prostitute mode, right? Like didn't know, like, well, we, we kept waiting for the shoe to drop last year. Yeah. And I said, just raise the prices like crazy on all of your installation jobs. And so he ended up getting to 1.9. So he went past the 20%, whatever the 27%, 28% um, because of the installation projects. And then since we priced him so high, um, he ended up with 32% net profit. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. So it just was a double benefit. Um, But that was a lot of pushing and that was a lot of marketing. And so I think 20%, 20, 25% for you guys is a healthy because otherwise, if you go faster right now, you might be over investing to take market share. And I don't know that you need to. Mm-hmm. So in two years, you should be at two and a half million. No problem. Yeah. I take, you know, I'm like everybody else. I'm, I get so impatient. I, Everybody's you know, just, impatient. You know, but time just, first we put on ourselves. It's all make believe anyway. <clears throat> right. Right. I mean, it really is the curse we put on ourselves. And uh, I, I, my buddy, Adam, he's a software developer and, He's working with a client I just had a call with and the owner of that client, they're in Austin. They want to push. He's like, we got all these things to do. We need need to get this done and this done. And Adam um, is a really good software development manager. And he's like, let's fix all these bugs. Let's build a really solid foundation. Let's get this code in a way that we have a staging server and all these things lined up because it makes everything go faster later. Yeah. It's like it's like the old, I think it's a Tai Chi thing, like go slow to go fast. Like yeah. it really is counterintuitive, um, but it works. And it just, you don't make as many mistakes. You don't have the change yeah. orders. You don't have the bugs going out. You're not putting out the fires. And like my client, Teresa, like it, it felt like, oh, we're going slow, but she's yeah. got unlimited time freedom now and profit. And who cares how it took an extra year. If maybe she had that goal. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's so much easier. Yeah, I agree. We, there's some times in the past where we've, I've, I've tried to do this big push and growth and then 
customer service and quality goes to hell in a handbasket and we had to pull back and I There's agree. a great story. So no. uh, Derek Sivers, he had started <laughs> this company called CD Baby in the late 90s. It was a dot-com. It was a mail-order CD service for music. And he told a story on Tim Ferriss's podcast about living in Santa <laughs> Monica. And he would get up every morning and ride his bike down the boardwalk and put his head down and just sweat and burn out. And it was just his sprint workout. 20 minutes, he'd get to the end and he'd stop maybe have a coffee, go back. Um, and one day after years of writing that, he's like, I just don't have it in me. So he just cruised and he looked around and he noticed, oh, I never noticed that over there. I never noticed that part over there. And he gets to the end and it took him 23 minutes instead of 20 minutes. Oh, wow. And he enjoyed the journey a whole yeah. lot more. And it's not that we need to stop pushing ourselves to stretch and grow and get healthy, but so what if it takes an extra six months or an extra year and we enjoy the process and we're not stressed out and we're not burning out yeah. our staff and whatever. So I know that guys like us don't have to worry about being lazy or letting off the gas <laughs> too far, but I think that balance is good. So yeah, that's anyway. a good story. Yeah. I think, you know, cause right now, and I can see the tense, the, the uh, stress and uh, some people in the office where we are just, we are maxed out. And I'm like, yeah, you man, need some, you need some yeah. office staff. I don't want, I don't want somebody to quit, you know? No, that's the last thing you want. I mean, they're all good people. They all will die for you, but why? I mean, it, you got yeah. a good business, it's profitable. Um, and I think <coughs> slow, and, slow and steady over the next two years to two and a half million is a no brainer. Hmm. Good, good. Well, I appreciate that. So did we hit, hit all the marks for you. Anything else you got that we, we didn't solve any world problems that, uh, in your life with the big stuff uh you know um you don't need to get down on the nitty-gritty stuff like you know hey what, what i'll ask you this so what's your prediction for 2021 and pull your crystal ball out what do you think is going to happen with the employment market the economy you know as it pertains to service companies you got yeah yeah I th yeah, I think it's going to, I think we're in a K recovery where the top of the market's going to move on just fine and the bottom of the market's going to be destroyed. Um, so I think there's going to be a lot of people that maybe are in your workforce category that um, eventually will want to work and have a spot to work for you. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's one of those like, I, I had a buddy on a call this morning and we both said we just can't we've got to quit being surprised by the insanity yeah. of policies. Yeah. Um, so if they keep printing money, who knows? I mean, inflation may run away. Who knows what, what ends up to the buying power. Eventually there's going to be a glut of yeah. your workforce out there wanting a job because the bottom just falls out of their world. Man, I tell you, I hope so. I don't really hope so, but I hope, I just hope it becomes easier. And then the, the, the flip side of that is too, and nobody, or well, that's not many talk people talking about this, but that is a, the, the average person on the street doesn't seem to understand how high their cost of living is going because of all this. No, you know, no, we're um, going to, we're going to go through so much stagflation like we did in the seventies. I mean, interest rates, they're saying they're zero, but the stock market is going to keep going up, but the buying power is not going to change. And, I mean, the buying power is going to go down and, and we're going to go sideways for a while. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's going to be bumpy. I just keep telling everybody just stack, stack your reserves, get, get, if you need to put it in some metals, 
um, to stop offset whatever inflation is happening. But uh, no, I would go through growth. I would hire that next customer and going up. You've got people coming in with money. So I, I wouldn't have any concerns about, oh, shoot, my system says my connection's unstable. I hope it's recording. I'm going to kill everybody off my network. Yeah, we got a little hiccup uh, there for a second, but it, we're, you're back good now. Yeah, sorry about that. So sure. anyway, I just, um, I was saying that the, uh, the your market's a growing market. So oh, yeah. it's, it, you're, you're in a rising tide. And so I would invest in that growth confidently knowing that, I mean, there's a lot of money coming into Austin. Your, your business is not going anywhere. And so this was my reality last year with all of my clients. None of them were considered essential. We said, screw it. We said, we're all essential and they all grew. And so taking that mindset forward, again, measured growth, you don't have to go invest an extra hundred grand in overhead a month and buy a whole bunch of new equipment just for, for, um, new equipment's sake, but I would I would definitely invest in growth for you. No problem. You're not going to have any issues with your marketplace. And that's where the K recovery, the K recovery says that we all went down, but the wealthy and the top end of the market are going to go back up and be fine. But the bottom end of the market are going to go into some kind of pseudo depression for their world. Um, yeah. Hmm. So. Yeah, that's interesting. I'll do some research on that because it's, you know, I'll, I'll tell you like, two things that we're seeing in the market right now. And that is if, if when I drive around, like say I drive around the neighborhood, um, our competitors are just some dude in the truck. Um, yeah. I'll see 20 of those before I see a properly branded yep. vehicle from a legitimate business. Um, so in Austin's expensive place to live. Um, and so like I, I just interviewed a guy just a few minutes before we started, no experience whatsoever. Um, He's working part-time at an Oakley store in the mall, making mm. 10 bucks an hour. And he's coming in here asking for the same pay that my crew leaders are getting. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know why he thought he was going to get that. I don't know what he was thinking. Um, and then when I told him what I was willing to pay him, he basically was not interested in the job anymore. Yeah. And I'm like, how do, how do you go from $10 an hour and I'll pay you significantly more than $10 an hour. And then he's, he still doesn't want it. And he, and he, he doesn't yeah, care yeah. that he has no experience. This reminds yeah. me of Jim Rohn, uh, the old business yeah. philosopher, yeah, know Ziegler's friend. And, and he just says, don't try to understand it. Just be fascinated and move on. Like it yeah. doesn't, that kind of stuff doesn't make sense. He says, don't ask why liars lie. That's why we call them liars. They just yeah. lie. So that's move on. That's great advice. That's and, great um, advice. I just, I, it used to drive me bonkers. This, I'd see the potential in people. I'd want to help them. I'd want to lift them up. And, oh, man, yeah. and I'm just like, not my monkeys, not my circus. I can't, yeah. I can't make sense of it. Yeah. I'm a, I feel bad that his parents didn't do him a favor of yeah. giving him a perspective of a work ethic. <coughs> Forgive me. Yeah. That's so interesting. I, I, I have the same conversation internally all the time. I used to want to help so bad. I even, I went so far as to buy people alarm clocks, you know, and, and they still didn't get to work on time. And then, and this is a lesson I learned by the way, and I'll share it here. And that is I had one of my really great crew leaders come to me during that time. And he said, why do you spend all your time 
with these losers. He goes, why don't you spend time with us instead? And oh, that, that's such a gift. Man, oh my gosh. She gave you. And so, so now I, I still, I have it inside of me. It's just natural that I really, care. really want to we help just develop young men. We just yeah. care. That's the, yeah. that's our Achilles heel is we care. Yeah. And, uh, but I have to, I have to out. learn to, 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 you know, throttle that back and then really shift and focus on the good guys, you know, yeah. and make them feel loved and cared for and, and take care of them. And then I'll, I'll, I'll coach these, these, I hate to call them losers, but I'll, no, I'll, I'll you, right you know, at the bottom you know of the barrel. Yeah, yeah. And I'll, I'll coach him a little bit and then I'll tell him, I'll say, I'm going to help you as much as, you know, for a little bit, but there's going to come a time where I'm going to cut you loose. Yeah. And, and then what I say is, you know, you're a grown ass man, you know, and you start acting like one, you know, it was like my wife. One time I, I had a stomach flu and I, I hate puking and I just was writhing <laughs> on the bed like, Whoa, so I'm so nauseous. And she just walks up to me. She was so tired of hearing me. She's like, Go put up, pull up your big bag, big boy pants and puke. Yeah. Like yeah. just pull up your big boy pants and puke. And I went, and I'm like, oh, I feel so much better. <laughs> She's like, see, get it over with. Like, oh my gosh. Like, here I am a grown ass man whining on bed on the bed. Cause it's yeah. nauseous and I hate puking and, but yeah, and that's it. And, and, and unfortunately we're not going to be able to save all these guys. And, no. and we're not able no. to change their lives. And I, I love it when it works, but you're you're in you're in a business you're not in a non non-for-profit and yeah. you're not in a rescue house or anything like that and so i think that's where setting the standard of saying hey i'm going to keep pouring into my a players and making them better and keep cutting off the bottom and build the bench and all of a sudden you know what life gets a lot easier for you yeah, and i tell you as a business owner i just i've just really come to believe that the are the most important thing we can do as a business owner is just hire the right people that's it. And if we, if we do, it's so easy. It is. The right it's people the, it's the differentiator. I, I stake, I plant my stake in the ground on people say, Oh, well, is it systems? Do you have the McDonald's systems yeah. and any yeah. monkey can do them? And like, it's all great. Or is it talent and personality? And I'm, I'm a hundred percent on the talent personality side yeah. because the system side is so easy to figure out. Yeah. It's so easy to implement, but, and it's 10 times easier to do with the right people. Right. So, I, oh, I'm hundred percent infinitely, infinitely easier, infinitely more fun when you got the right people in place. And it yeah. sucks when you don't. It uh, does. Well, it's like an old um, sports analogy that I, I played baseball my whole life. And um, there was a line I'd heard that uh, a great team can make a bad manager look good and a bad team can make a great manager look bad. Yeah. And um, I think, I think, I think that's so true. I mean, it just, we see it over and over that the team makes all the difference. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, awesome, Kirk. This was fantastic. Thanks for being the first sacrificial lamb Man. to uh, put your neck out there. And um, I'm honored. Yeah, this is fun. I'm excited to get the feedback. And for those of you that listen to this, if uh, you in, you're inspired to be be another um, guinea pig and hop on the podcast, and you're doing over a million bucks and want to have a bottleneck breakthrough session, reach out to me. But otherwise, hope you got some good nuggets from it. Uh, feel free to shoot me any messages. Join the Facebook group, uh, Bottleneck Breakthrough Method. And uh, I'll look forward to digging in with the next one. Have a great day. This podcast theme music is an excerpt from Triptych of Snippets by Septa Helix. It's used under creative.